Hi, this is Susie McGrath. I play Tam Rivor in Star Wars Resistance, and you're listening to Radio Dakar. Broadcasting across the galaxy, you're listening to Radio Dakar, a Star Wars podcast dedicated to Resistance, The Mandalorian, and more. Alright, hello everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Radio Dakar. I'm your host, Doug Brooks, and this is my review of The Mandalorian, Chapter 7, The Reckoning. We are so close to the end of the season, uh, we're starting to wrap up some storylines, bring everything back together, and we're heading towards what looks like to be an amazing uh, conclusion to the season. And thankfully it's not the end of the road. Uh, we know there's season two and maybe three coming, uh, so there's plenty more action with these characters, uh, but... Uh, this is this was an incredible episode with the way it built up everything. Um, just getting us excited for next time. Uh, again, uh, for those of you who have already finished uh, season one, uh, just sit back and enjoy uh, my recap here. Uh, for those of you uh, in the countries where you have just watched season seven or chapter seven, you have not seen chapter eight. Uh, this will not spoil chapter eight. I, I'm not going forward with spoilers. It's just about chapter seven or previous. Um, so no, no advance spoiler warnings for eight or speculation on the other seasons. That's next week. Uh, but this episode, it was written by John Favreau. And so we're back to his original work after a couple of um, pit stops in the story from other writers and directed uh, once again by Deborah Chow who also did chapter three uh, which was the amazing uh, Mandalorian battle uh, taking the child away and you know she gets kind of the bookend of that where he's you know we're back where we started on Navarro with all this uh, but it's, uh, it starts out on the Razor Crest, and I mean, there's hints later in the episode about how much time has elapsed. Um, you know, days for sure, probably weeks, um, since they left Navarro in Chapter Three, where he's been on the run. Um, weeks, I don't know about months, but it's it's been a while. So then. Um, Mando gets the hologram from Grief Karga. Um, this is where he, he finds out that Grief is still alive, even though we knew that. Um, then he kind of gives him an update about the Imperial presence, or the remnant Imperial presence. You have to re, you know, because of how they refer to the... Um, to the Imperial officers and soldiers, you kind of forget the Empire's already gone, but um, you know, it's just the remnant that's there trying to maintain uh, the old order. Um, but, you know, he gives Mando the offer to um, help kill the client. Um, you know, from Greece's perspective, to help with um, the guild uh, so that 
because the bounty hunters are kind of restrained by the Imperial activity there and give Mando a chance to clear his name and not be on the run. So, you know, as it turns out, the episode is a get the crew together type situation. But, it, you know, he has his reasons for each part of the crew. Um, it's not like, oh, I've got this big operation, here's who I need. You know, as it goes along, he's like, okay, I need more than this. So that's a neat approach to it, as opposed to, you know, like what I was, I was going to say, like an Ocean's Eleven deal, but, you know, like we just saw with Chapter 6, where Mando was part of a crew that had to be assembled because you needed so many people. Uh, we get to return to Sorgan, uh, which we saw in Chapter 4. And because he's going after Cara Dune, uh, he doesn't see Omera again, which is disappointing. Um, maybe later, we'll see. Um, but, you know, I do like the scene where Kira was fighting with a Zabrak, um, which is uh, Maul's species, you know, without the tattoos, of course, you know, you can tell by the, uh, the spikes on his head. And, um, yeah, the, the fight itself is really cool. Um, where they have the electro rope, you know, connected to them, but it's not like... You know, first you think, oh, it's electrified to where you can't touch it, but you know, it just has them connected, and she uses to choke him out. Um, but you know, any chance for Gina to use her MMA experience? Um, because you know, later on, she's just going to go crazy with a with a heavy heavy gunnery. Um, but just see her in physical action is awesome because I mean. Yeah, that's why you hire somebody like that. Um, although she's more than just an MMA fighter, um, especially in her, you know, social media presence and just listening to her talk about the role. Yeah. You can tell she was just the perfect fit for this and she's so enthusiastic about it. Um, so yeah, cool fight scene. Oh, the way she, you know, collects her winnings at the end, it almost reminds me of Marion in Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's kind of got that feel. And then Mando shows up and kind of like Indy showing up. She's like, oh no, you know, I don't need this again. Yeah, but they have the conversation about, you know, she, she wants to be out. She's ready for a, you know, peaceful time here on Sorgan. It, I mean, it's, it's just very idyllic. They're a good place to go relax. But, um, you know, that as soon as Mando mentions, um, his target is exempt. Uh, that's when she's like, okay, I'm in. It was very abrupt uh, change, but I guess sometimes that's all, that's all you need is, um, you know, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. Oh, this guy is somebody you hate. Okay. I'm in. Um, but you know, but Mando needs, needs her to help with, um, with tiny. Uh, this is not Yoda. Um, So, you know, they're making plans on the Razor Crest, and we get the great scene where Tiny, um, you know, tries to fly the ship, and hijinks ensue. Uh, you know, I, I it was kind of subtle, but I love that, you know, he kind of checked, you know, like, poked his head down below deck to make sure they're not, they're not paying attention before he did it. Uh, yeah, that's so relatable. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter what age they are, they're going to do something like that. 
So that's when Mando realizes he's going to need more help just to watch the kid while they go do this. So then we get to go back to Arvala 7 for a little bit. Uh, back to Quill, who officially gets named in the episode, even though it was in press release and we get proper pronunciation. Um, so Mando's needing help from Quill with the my cat is just all up in it today sorry for the sound effects um, I do have to give a shout out you know, obviously I've talked about Nick Nolte doing the voice and it's become very recognizable as Quill but I didn't mention it in previous episodes but Misty uh, Rosas is the actual performer uh, she's, and if you've seen photos of her, she's really that height. Um, yeah, she's <clears throat> in the suit and doing, you know, it's her eyes and she's doing the the physicality of the role. So shout out to her um, for, for, for this. And, you know, Nick did the voice well, of course, but um, yeah, um, yeah, just great double performance there by both of them. So when Quill's talking about Tiny, he mentions, uh, he wonders if he's a strand cast, to which um, Mando, you know, uh, you know, rebuts and says, well, he's not engineered. Um, I, I meant to look it up, but I can't remember if that's ever been mentioned in previous Star Wars, that term. Is it a form of cloning or something else? You know, because we st still have all these mysteries about where where he came from. Um, this is where we start to get, you know, Quill mentioning uh, he was ex Empire, but through indentured servitude, you know, it wasn't like he was necessarily loyal um, to the Empire. He, later on, he tells Kara that he was. Um, you know, did this for three human lifetimes, which it, which I'm not really sure about because the Empire only existed for less than thirty years. So, who exactly was he? Um, I, I guess the Republic. Um, which, you know, as we found out in Phantom Menace, you know, they still had slavery in parts of the galaxy, and so maybe the Republic turned a blind eye to endangered servitude. As long as you didn't call them slaves, you know. Um, but then I can only imagine it'd be worse when uh, the Republic becomes the Empire. And, you know, so Quill's like, you know, I did what I had to. It wasn't like I was loyal to the Empire. So we get that backstory, which was nice. So IG-11 shows up to offer them tea. And we get Taika Waititi's voice again. I'll talk way more about Taika Waititi next week because uh, it's an episode he directed. I'll leave it at that. But he's awesome. I love him. Um, so then we get the flashback of how IG-11 was repaired. I had a suspicion he would be in the um, near the end of the season because, you know, when you look at the trailer and I remember Joanna Marie Macias did it. She was like, okay, here's what we've seen so far from the trailers, and here's what we haven't seen yet. And there were shots of IG-11. Did I write, or actually wrote down IG-88? It's IG-11. Um, so we thought, okay, well, he's got to come back somehow. Maybe Mando goes back and 
fixes them up and whatever. No, it turns out it was Quill. And, you know, the, the flashback is really neat, like a little montage of teaching him to learn, uh, to repro, you know, all the reprogramming and everything. Um, you know, that's a bigger, that's another clue about how much time has passed because, um, you know, the day after day learning. And then, you know, then we have the debate about, you know, are droids good or bad? Um, and Quill says they're not good or bad. It's just how they're programmed. And Mando says I've seen otherwise. <clears throat> um, you know, it's constant referral to his distrust of droids. Maybe that'll be fleshed out more next week. We can talk about it. Um, I did write down Quill's line, none will be free until the old ways are gone. So... You know, I wonder if, since we are getting a couple more seasons at least of the show, I wonder if that's going to be part of their mission to, you know, take care of the remnants. Um, or although it could just be, a, could have been a little foresight into uh, the Rise of, uh, the, you know, the sequel trilogy and the Rise of Skywalker because First Order being a remnant of the Empire too. <clears throat> uh, so we do find out the. Um, so Mando wants uh, Quill to come with him. He's going to bring IG-11. Um, so yeah, the, the group's getting a little bigger. Plus the fact they got three Blurgs on the on the Razor Crest. So it gives you a bigger, a better sense of scale that they can fit three of them comfortably in the docking bay. And Quill later on would have time to work on a new um, pram, floating bassinet or whatever. Um yeah, because like in the first episode, we had the all the car carbonite slabs in there, but it still seemed kind of tight. But and then you know, last episode we had uh, the other gang, uh, the other members of the gang, just relaxing down there. So yeah, Razor Crest is not small. They announced the Lego for it, and I totally want that. It comes out in September, so I'm just gonna like justify spending that much money on it by putting a little bit aside each month and then oh here I'm gonna go buy it gotta have that on the shelf it looks so cool plus you get like little Lego the child anyway back to the story um, yeah the arm wrestling was great you know Karen Mando being friendly but then tiny thing she's hurting him so she he tries to choke her out um you know, she freaks out, and then Quill's, like, curious. Um, <clears throat> so then, you know, kind of pays off the, the incident with the Mudhorn, so, you know, Quill says he's heard stories, but especially, I guess, if you're an Imperial servant, you know, they're going to... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you're an, an, an Imperial servant, they're going to hide the knowledge of the Jedi. But if you're a Republic, surely you've heard of them. But unless it's just, I don't know, unless an hearsay thing. I'll be interested to see if we find out, like, <clears throat> how the Jedi are perceived in the High Republic era. <clears throat> um, so, and we do get um, a bit more about Navarro. <clears throat> 
that it was an imperial holdout after the war. So, you know, if you think about after Endor, after Jakku, which systems were left under imperial control, so Navarro was one of those, and because of the way the, the city's built, it's, um, it's hard to drop in, like from Kara's perspective, even though they tried. Not as she said it wasn't her, but it was her, like people like her. So I wonder, you know, if we'll ever, well, I mean, we're in the middle of that kind of a story, but it's good to know, like, what systems were kind of still held. Uh, so when they arrive, uh, Grief has his crew. Uh, so we get, uh, there was a Nikto, a couple other species. Um, you know, and the cool thing is we get to walk across the lava flats, which... I, I think I mentioned it when they left in episode. Well, it's when they left in either chapter one or three. Um, I said, "Oh, yeah, this shot from space. You can see like lava on the planet." Um, yeah, Navarro's for the way they've used it. It's a pretty cool um, dynamic planet. You know, you got the rocks, just like rocky area over here. Then you got the more um, volcanic activity, um, but it's not like full-blown Mustafar or anything like that. Um, so it, it's really cool. I like how they use that. Um, so then we get a um, you know camp-out scene by the fire, typical um, you know old west thing there as they plan the raid. Well, not a raid, but you know they plan the next day. And then we get a freaking dragon attack, um, which, you know, it comes out of nowhere because it's so pitch black. Um, you know, it's a little more visible than that one episode, uh, the Battle of uh, Winterfell. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was, this was pretty awesome. Um, you know, they're trying to take the Blurgs and they take out one of the bounty hunters. Um it was just really well done. You get, you know, Kara trying to blast the crap out of it with her gun. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that scene came out of nowhere, but it was it was really cool. And it served its purpose because, you know, Grief gets hurt and then he gets healed by Tiny. Now, you know, those of you who just saw this episode, you're like, okay, yeah, you know, Ray can do that. So it's a, it's a thing that you can force heal. Well, you know, they were kind of clever. This episode, uh, when it originally aired for U.S. and other countries, you know, this was the episode we got right before the premiere of Rise of Skywalker. So we saw Tiny do it first, and then when Ray did it in the movie, we were like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, perspective is funny on that. But, you know, it... It, you know, it shows grief, you know, makes him reconsider some things. I also liked, um, you know, the, the two surviving bounty hunters that he brought with him. They're like, oh, what do we do? Well, we don't have anything. I don't know what to do. They're just standing there. That that was, yeah, it, I mean, it wasn't supposed to be intentionally funny, but I thought it was. Um, all right, so ne next day, you know, 
Grief takes out his bounty hunters and then reveals the plan that they were going to kill Mando, take the child, you know, do it themselves. But he couldn't go through with it because, I mean, he just got saved by this kid. So, and Carl Weathers has had a lot, a lot to, a lot to work on this season <clears throat> with its different motivations and everything. But it all makes sense. It's not like, you know, just flipping back and forth. I mean, he's just that slick of a dude. Um, you know, so they come up with a plan to act like they captured Mando, and you know, get that way he, he's close to the clients; so they can shoot him. Yeah, you know, and then we get, you know, that that's the side of westerns too, where you're walking the the captured cowboy through the through the streets, so everybody can see. Um, you know, and then we start to get the whole, the whole, you know, grief said, yeah, there'll be four troopers with a client. And then turns out there are a lot more in town and, you know, you said four, (laughs) they just keep going with that. Yeah, it, it was, they worked in the subtle humor here without going crazy. Um, so they get to the client, so we get more Werner Herzog. Um, no Dr. Pershing, though. I wonder what became of him, because he wasn't killed in, in Chapter 3. Maybe we'll find out. Um, still a lot of questions to answer about, like, who, you know, who wants Tiny for what. Um, and I did like that the, uh, the client you know, he talked a little bit about the war and everything. He said Mandalore resisted expansion. You know, we're still trying to find out more about that because in Rebels, you know, we saw there was an Imperial occupation of Mandalore and Bo-Katan and uh, Ursa Wren and all them. Um, Finn Rao, they, tr- they tried to take the planet back, but, you know, is the purge they referred to after that or, you know, we still got some questions to be answered about that. And then finally we get the, this is where the, uh, the, is the, the world more peaceful since the revolution line that was in the trailer. You know, I, th- I think he's talking about the, the civil war at this point. Um, and, and, you know, it's kind of alluded to in some of, like the books and everything, like Alphabet Squadron. When the rebels won, I mean, they had a basic plan for new government, but everything's not, you know, going swimmingly. So, and they're still trying to establish, uh, I think at this point it was on Chandrilla. The capital moves around. That's why Housing and Prime was destroyed in Force Awakens. Um, so, yeah. You know, they're still trying to bring back the peace and order that the Empire imposed. So that's an interesting, like, political dynamic there. I gotta gotta give a shout out to the line. Um, Would you like a libation to celebrate the ending of our shared narrative? <laughs> I mean, if John Favreau wrote that for Werner Herzog to say specifically, like, after he had casted him, then that's brilliant because I don't know if anybody else could have pulled that off. Just 
And of course, he doesn't last much longer in this episode. So thank you, Werner Herzog, for being on the show because you were awesome. But we turn it over to an even more awesome presence. Moff Gideon, played by Giancarlo Esposito. <sighs> Just love him. I mean, it's Gus Fring and others. Um, and I mean, he really, I mean, other than right at the end, he only appears in hollow here, but you can just tell he's got his presence to him. Um, so, you know, turns out Moff Gideon is behind all this and, you know, he's, he's the one wanting the child. We, we don't know why he's more than, more than they know, he says, but yeah, he takes out the client takes and takes out the troopers inside the, um, inside the bar, the common area. Turns out they were taken out by death troopers, so it's a nice reuse of them from Rogue One. Um, they also appeared in Rebels, so but yeah, it's great to see death troopers again. And then the freaking Kenner transport shows up. Uh, I mean, yeah, I might have referred to it in a previous episode. You know, John, John Favreau is literally playing with the toys, um, but and and they did use the the old transport in Rebels. Um, uh, slightly differently, though. Like, if I think they used the side containers and the side holders if you were captured. You know, that's where they would put prisoners. And then, but yeah, so in this version, yeah, they just, Stormtroopers just spill out. I think this is where they were played by members, actual members of the 501st, um, because they didn't have enough Stormtrooper uh, costumes. So, bully to them. So I was talking about when I interviewed Bobby Moynihan, I, I just respect the cosplayers who are, are in the 501st and, and other groups where they do the full Mandalorian and the full Stormtrooper outfits. I, I mean, you know, it's sophisticated enough to do the, the fighter pilots, you know, where it's just jumpsuits and the accessories, but I mean, to build your armor and to look that good to where they thought you would look good enough on uh, camera, uh, just kudos to, kudos to everybody um, who does that. Um, you know, we get the biker scouts. Um, you know, they overhear the transmission because Mando's trying to get Quill out of there um, or have him take off. And I, I love that vroom, um, sound that the bikes make when they go off into the distance. It takes you back to indoor. Yeah, cool. But cool to see biker scouts like really trying to chase somebody down like that. Um, yeah, it takes me back because you know, the little speeder bikes are some of my favorite toys. I've got the Kinder Transport somewhere. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I bought it. JCPenney exclusive or whatever. I can't remember. Um, so, yeah, so Grief and Kara and Mando survive. They're pinned down inside. And then the TIE Fighter shows up. And I got a shout-out here to Ludwig Gorenson's music. Uh, I mean, he, he's he's good all the way through, but yeah, when he just blares it with this really foreboding, creepy music when the TIE Fighter lands and does the wing thing. Um, yeah, I'm sure that's a modified thing because we've never seen them do it in any other form. <clears throat> and then it turns out it's Moff Gideon's ship. Yeah, that that was incredible. That's just a great scene. 
This, this is where you're just sucked in. You're like, yeah, this is just total Star Wars. <clears throat> um, and then Gideon gives a speech about wanting the child and everything. Um, yeah, he'll have it soon. Yeah, interesting, you know, ha like he told um, the client to check again. When he thought he had the child because they had the pram closed, um, you know they didn't yet. I guess, I guess he figured that the child wasn't there; that he was left behind. They just didn't know exactly where until the biker scouts got the transmission. So he was probably just, you know, playing it up until he could pinpoint the location. So yes, the biker scouts do. Um, they they take out Quill and capture Tiny. Um, so we got to say goodbye to Quill. Uh, it's a sad way to end the episode, but um, just got to get us ready for next week. <sighs> yeah, just a very tense ending. Um, just amazing. Um, but I will save you know more comments for next week. The next review is going to be huge because I'm going to talk about Tekken YTD and I'll review that episode. I mean, I've already seen it. It's, it's, it's awesome. I uh, hope, uh, for those of you listening who haven't yet seen it, who will this week, I hope you enjoy it. Um, there'll, there'll be plenty to talk about. Uh, but I'll wrap this one up here. Um, thank you again for listening. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter, uh, at Radio Dakar. Um, you can find the show on most major podcast platforms, Anchor, SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple, Overcast, Spotify. Uh, you can make up a patron of the show at patreon.com slash Radio Dakar. But thank you so much for listening. I uh, will see you for more reviews very soon. Until then, may the force be with you.